Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, Farrell on the bench. So uh, Cole has a nine-year deal. And, um, you know, I was just talking to Carver High about it. The guy, the people, they'll ask him questions about the pressure and everything of playing for the Yankees. And he says, I'm used to it. I've pitched in a lot of big games. World Series and everything else. And he goes, they pay me a ton of money, so I have to live up to it. And I I just love that, that he's like, yeah, they're paying me a, just a ton of cheddar, and I got to go out and perform at the highest level and win every time the game's big. I got to win. That's it. I'm out here to win big games, and they pay me to do that. And then um, this guy's going to be pitching for the Yankees for literally, you know, you're looking at, it's a nine-year deal. He can get out after five. So if they, I just said to Carver, if they get four or five years out of this guy, if they get four or five, let's say, because I mean, this guy throws so hard. He throws 97, 98 miles an hour. Uh, If he can, like, there's no way I believe four years from now or five years from now, he's still throwing 98 miles an hour. So, but I do, if his arm doesn't fall off, do you think they'll get four good years out of him and then uh, what do you think will happen to him? Do you think he'll leave after five or do you think he'll stay with the Yankees and become like Sabathia was where he actually transformed himself into a right. kind of an off-speed pitcher? And th- and that's what you're going to want to see from him in the back end of that deal because nine years is obviously a very long time. He's 29 years old right now. So really five, you could get five more high-level deal, you know, years out of him Let's be fair. When you when these guys all sign this, it could be a hitter or a pitcher, Scotty. When they sign, sign these nine and ten year deals, you know that most likely you're going to take a bath on the last at minimum two to three years of them. You just know that you're going to. So if you can get five plus plus years out of them, and then like you said, he he does like a CC and kind of transforms himself when he gets into the 35, 36 year old range. You can get a little more. That would be great. Wow. Uh, it's so funny seeing him all clean shaven and everything. I remember when he was pitching with the uh, Pirates and Astros, he looked like Grizzly Adams. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn. And most of all, 
I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so uh, the night games tomorrow on uh, Wednesday night are going to be the Yankees-Indians at 7. Then when I'm on uh, the bench at 10 East uh, is the Brewers-Dodgers, so they do have a late night game. The day games start at noon tomorrow. It's like the NCAA tournament. Uh, So at noon, you got Reds-Braves, and then um, you've got the – that's the first one. And then at 1, it's Astros-Twins. These are all East Coast. Two o'clock is Marlins Cubs. Three o'clock is White Sox A's. Four o'clock is Blue Jays Rays. And five o'clock is Cardinals Padres. Uh, I got to tell you. Now, I understand that there's eight games, so that's the problem, right? Fair enough. But I even today, they had three games going on at once, Carver High. Three games at once. And that's just not good for the palate. I, I don't care what you say uh, right. tomorrow. How do you get invested in a game when there's there's six games all an hour apart? Right. There, you know, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And, and uh, that's it. So 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 in a row. How do you get invested in one of those games besides like, you know, if you're watching the NCAA tournament, they got like TBS uh you know uh tnt or who, what do they have the games on T- tbs tbs uh, tnt true and cbs they have four true. channels usually okay yeah. you're you're flipping around to four channels now you're going to be flipping around to six channels trying to watch a baseball game how do you well, get invested in a baseball game when there's six of them going on at once look they're, they're doing something obviously for the first time ever they've never had this many playoff games to be played at once they're used to the division round where they have you know two on each side and that they've expanded now here so they don't want to jumble it up in prime time because they want to give you the Yankees and the Dodgers standalone at night what they what they could do is is you know it would be nice if like MLB network was able to go in and out of all the games like wouldn't that be pretty cool like if if they did like kind of since they're all these games are at the same time, they should have on their network like kind of bounced around all of them, almost like a red zone type of deal, you know, like you go go from game to game, and, and that way you can focus on everything. Whereas like you said, now you got to bounce around from channel to channel, and not only that, they have the announcers, Scotty, ESPN, like there's announcers doing two games, like A Rod and Vaskurgeon, they're doing the Brave Red game at noon, and then they're doing the Yankee game at seven. Because they're all doing it from Bristol, nobody's on site for ESPN. So they're they've got a, even announcers. They're doubling up. They're calling two games. Long I don't really care. Right. I don't. Yeah. I don't really care who the announcer is. Right. I really don't. But I don't. How else? How else can they do it? You've got eight games to play tomorrow in one day. You can't spread it out to where every game is standalone. There's going to be games overlapping each other. There's just nothing you can do about it. How many times do you think ESPN will show the Twins scoring their one run today on the slide oh. home? 
I mean, how many times are you going to show them scoring a run? What you should really be doing is showing how they can't score any runs and that they haven't won a playoff game since before Christ. I mean, honestly, like they have showed that first run they scored where the guy slid over home plate. They have on Cruz's double. They have shown that today since uh, six o'clock. Probably I've seen it 50 times, but they didn't win the game. And now they're showing Romo uh, getting in trouble, and then they're going to show Romo walking in the winning run. That's what they should have shown the whole time. No, what, no one cares. What do you yeah. care about seeing one run score when they didn't win the game? I don't. What they? Yeah. What, what they, they really show me the Indians show, three runs. Yeah. What they really should show is they should show the Twins in the first inning have the bases loaded and one out, and the guy you know strike out and then Sano grounding out to third. They should show that, or they should show when they had second and third in the fourth inning. They should show all the Twins. Uh, Missing out on probably building a three, four, five run lead in that game and knocking Granky out because that's you, where the game was lost. Forget the Romo stuff. It was lost when the Twins couldn't score runs. Did you think that Romo's pitch on the full count was a strike or did you think it was high? I thought it was a little high. Well, there you go. So there's no argument. Romo argued with him, rocking the Hezbollah beard. He he gave him the he gave him the business, the ump. But it doesn't matter if you give him the business at that point. You just lost the game. You knew that was the last game. That was the run that won the game. That was it was over. I knew when they scored that second run, it was over. The game was over. And uh, there you go. So there's nothing else to say about that game. Uh, we talked about Giolito. Well, we did not talk about Blake Snell. He also had. Uh, a no-hitter going through the fifth inning. I mean, the guy was uh, lights out, right? So you have to admit, uh, tonight, you never thought you'd see two guys like Giolito. What, did he go into the eighth inning with that thing, or was he in the yeah. seventh inning? Uh, he lost it in the seventh, I believe, because he only pitched seven. Yeah, he lost it in the seventh inning. They took him out in the eighth when he gave up a couple of other hits. Right. Snell got into the sixth inning with his. Uh, Snell pitched really well. Uh, the the Jays could not do anything against him. The Jays, uh, you know, they had their strategy where they they held off their best start until tomorrow. They're going to pitch for you tomorrow. Shoemaker actually pitched great for three innings. Then they brought Robbie Ray in, who honestly didn't pitch awful. He gave up the one run that gave him the lead, a triple and then a passed ball. But uh, the the Jays just they're supposed to be an offensive team, Scotty, and they couldn't score any runs they got no hits off of snell while he was in the game they couldn't touch any of the relievers tomorrow if they're gonna win you know they need their guys they need guerrero they need biggio they need all these guys to hit tomorrow that's the only way they're gonna win so but like you you said earlier you think with ryu that they have a shot but i don't see it i, I mean I, I, yeah, Rays, I think they have they a better shot than they yeah. still won yeah i think they have i'm saying i think they have a better shot than the Twins or right. the Indians tomorrow. I, I just think that they do. I, I think if there was a team out of those four to advance and force a third game, I think the A's would be my top choice to doing that with the with the Jays right behind them. Uh, that's what, those are the two teams out of the four that I think can force that third game on Thursday. So with the White Sox lineup and Abreu hitting home runs, how do you – like, I don't see that stopping either. Like, I just – I right. mean, at some point, you have to just respect what you're seeing, these lineups uh, shredding the ball, like the White Sox and the Yankees, and you have to say to yourself, why am I going to bet against them? Now, I think the A's have always been a team. I'll give you this. They have always been a team that has their rally going and their, their comebacks and their crazy fans and everything else, but they don't have any of that going, the drums beating and all that. 
But I know that they have had miraculous comebacks and wins when their backs were to the wall. So I would say they have a shot, but not with what I saw the White Sox bats do. I mean, they every guy on the team did something. Even the guy, one of them hit a home run, hasn't hit a home run the whole season. Yeah, and they didn't even have uh, Jimenez today, who did not play. Eloy Jimenez wasn't in the lineup for them, which is one of their big hitters too. So I think the White Sox are going to win one of these next two games, and they're going to move on. I think the teams that won today, obviously, I mean, it's it's common sense. They're in the best shape, but I could see one or two of them. I guess what's the one closest? Who's going to win two games? Are the Twins going to beat the Astros twice? I don't know. I don't think so. I the mean, Indians gonna beat the Indians gonna beat the Yankees twice. Now look, that's you know I have to say now I'll probably eat it and be wrong because you know when you just when you think you've got it all figured out and you're bragging about they'll never win a game they're done they've lost 17 in a row they'll win tomorrow but I don't think they're gonna win because I mean there is no team that sucks worse than them in postseason that I've ever seen I've never seen anything yeah. like a team. I can't even describe what I'm watching. I don't even want to talk about him anymore. Let's talk about something else. Let me ask you about the Padres for a second. And not so much about Paddock going or anything like that. I want to ask you, when you see them letting Clevenger pitch, right, in the bullpen, and he's out there working and throwing all of his pitches, and then they were going to have meetings tonight, and tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., they have to either uh, put him on the roster or whatever, or he's out, right? Like they, like the twins did, uh, your boy, uh, what's his name? The Donaldson. So here's the deal. If you were them and you sign this, you have this guy for another year, right? And this guy's an incredible pitcher. He really is. His ERA is like one something. Would you, are you serious that you're going to like, did the guy not just have, like they said he hurt his elbow, right? So are you really going to let that guy go pitch now? And seriously, you're gonna let him. You're, you're gonna let him go pitch. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, so for all on a bench. All right, so Clevenger, they're going to make their mind up, which I think they're going to – I honestly believe, and I'll probably be wrong because I'm always wrong – I, I think they'll say tomorrow morning that they're not letting him pitch in the series and that they're going to sit him. And I think that if you ask me, that's the smart thing to do because I don't want to risk that guy's elbow for, let's say he blows out his elbow and he has Tommy John. He's done for, that, that's it. He's done. You know, he's not going to pitch for the Padres because they got him for a year, right? They got him for another year. So unless I'm wrong, 
Like, why would you two more two more years? Okay, well, one year of it, one year of it, he'd be in, uh, you know, a cast because he's not going to pitch. When you have Tommy John, you don't pitch for a year, so uh, he'd come back stronger than ever. Not next year, the year after, right? And don't tell me he's going to be the same pitcher uh, post Tommy John that he was before. He might be stronger, this and that. But when you're on an ERI high like that guy's been on, like that guy's been on an ERA high, like he just doesn't allow runs. He's been incredible for his whole career, right? And then you're going to tell me he blows his arm out and then has Tommy John, let's say hypothetically, and that he's going to come back and just keep mowing him down. Everything changes, I think, when you have that surgery. You have to become a different pitcher. Would you agree with that, Carver High? And do you believe that it's a smart decision for them to because he's like one day, one day they're saying he hurt his elbow and he's he's, you know, I mean, basically when he hurt his elbow, they said he's done. And that was it right. for him. He's not pitching again. And then all of a sudden the playoffs start and he's out in the bullpen warming up. He's out there throwing every one of his pitches. He's fine. Are you trusting that nonsense? And you're gonna let him go? And, and risk it all? Because you know what will happen. If you close it out, he's done for a year. Of course. I would probably hold off at least this week. Um, I know that we've talked a lot about how the Cardinals are very dangerous in these spots. But even without Clevenger, uh, the Padres are a better team than the Cardinals. Uh, they just are. And their offense has been big this year. Um, they They can find a way to win this series without Clevenger. And if he really is getting better, and you think a week from now, if you win this series and you're in the NLDS against the Dodgers, then if you want to try to throw him and you think he's improved enough, then I would. But rushing him, if he's not ready, now they're medical people, obviously, uh, they might say, hey, you know, he's good to go. And that's why they let him let it all hang out today. I would probably try to hold him off this week, Scotty, and get to next week without him. Hope they don't use that guy the Chargers uh, used to do rib cartilage injections. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so do you think the Marlins have a shot against the Cubs tomorrow? I'm looking that as as more like the entire series. I, I'm looking at it as, do the Marlins have a shot to win two out of three games against the Cubs? Which means one of those games, they're going to have to beat Darvish or Hendricks. You know, that that's that that's kind of Kyle Hendricks. So it's going to come down to that. I, I think that they're live. I, I think that they could do it. Um, Like I, we were saying with Mish earlier, weird stuff happens when the Marlins are in the playoffs and they don't get in there very often. But when they do, just strange stuff happens. I, and I'm not they, they're not going to go on the kind of runs they've gone on in the past. I don't drink beer very often, but when yeah. I do, well, when I do I drink those seconds. Um, I just, I, I think that they could take two out of three off the Cubs these next few days, and I'm going to sprinkle what? it for the series. I, I already did. I, I put a couple bucks on the Marlins just because the price was too good, and I, and I'm just going to root for them now the next few days. So, uh, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if the Marlins beat the Cubs? Right. Wouldn't it be great if they actually did it again? Like the last time they did it to them, it was Bartman. And it was just craziness at Wrigley. I'll never forget when the Marlins beat him. I went nuts because I was living in Miami. And you know the story that they, I rode him all the way to the World Series. I got a picture in my house of me holding the World Series trophy because I worked with the Marlins that uh, summer when I was on QAM in Miami. Can you imagine if they did it again to the Cubs? I mean, honestly. 
it would be pretty funny. But I'd I'd love to see it here. The Cubs were loaded that year. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was the that was the Kerry Wood, uh, Mark Pryor. Uh, Cubs. Everybody thought that there was going to be Cubs Yankees in the World Series. Remember that? They that was the big thing. This is going to be the greatest World Series ever. And then the Marlins completely ruined the party and, and won Game Six and Seven at Wrigley. That was when Miggy. That was when Miggy was skinny and he was a just yeah. A he was terrible. a kid. He was a little kid. I'd love to see it. Um, but they got to beat Hendricks tomorrow. I, they going to be a hard task but uh, i think the marlins anybody has a shot two out of three the only team i think the only team that has no chance i believe is the brewers they got no chance to beat the dodgers two out of three uh, have you ever seen anything like when miggy was a kid and he was skinny as a rail and then fast forward 15 years and he's just a complete fat ass old man like <laughs> i mean i absolute like uh, he looks like your uncle that just pounds beer and, and well, smokes put in cigarettes. his time he's put in his time but it's amazing to see what time does and food yeah. and, and filthy rich does to a guy. I mean, yeah. honestly, because he had <laughs> more money than God. So, you know, he just ate everything in sight. He didn't eat at McDonald's. Believe me, he was going out for five star dinners and living large. And that's how you get to be a fat old man. That's just all there is to it. Because I remember when he was a toothpick and he was fast and he could rake. and He was unbelievable. And uh, he could always hit. But then he, he got so, you know, pretty much he started looking like Cecil Fielder at the end of his career. You can't even deny it, right? So, well, the Reds and Trevor Bauer, uh, it should be fun to watch him against the Braves tomorrow because uh, he's so cocky. Uh, he's bound to do something in the game. I don't care what his cleats say either. You know, yeah. he, he's got a big mouth. He uh, gets into it with other teams. He's got an attitude, the whole deal. He brings the whole repertoire out, and he's not liked by anybody. I don't even think his own teammates like him. I think that the Reds can absolutely take this series two out of three from the Braves, but if they're going to, they have to win tomorrow, in my eyes, because I don't trust Castillo and Sonny Gray to both win their games. I I think that one or both of them would flounder. I think if the Reds are going to win this series, they need Bauer to beat Freed because the Braves do not have a lot after Freed. They're going to really be piecing it together for games two and three. The Braves need game one with their ace on the mound. And um, it's on Bauer tomorrow to do it, you know, for the Reds and Freed for the Braves. I just think that Castillo and, and Gray, as good as they are, one of them or both of them will trip up in games two or three. What do you think, uh, Freeman, Acuna, Albies, these guys? I don't even know. Is Albies healthy? But what do you think their big guns will do um, against well, the Reds, uh, like against Bauer tomorrow? Let's say just even Acuna and Freeman. Freeman was the player of the month in September, but it, that doesn't mean anything to me now that it's the playoffs because – Ramirez, I guess he had an RBI in the game tonight, so I'm not going to say he didn't really rake. But do you think Freeman will carry it in, the hot bat, into the playoffs against Bauer and do anything tomorrow? And and Acuna just has been hitting these bomb home runs the whole time. Do you think those bats will be live, or will they be uh, Memorex uh, for this thing? I think that we need to look at the Braves kind of like and this, it's it's not the same, but it, it kind of is. You know how the Lightning, we just talked about them getting swept by Columbus in the first round last year, and they had all these demons to exercise? Right. I feel like the Braves 
how they lost that game five to the Cardinals last year, giving up the 10 runs in the first inning at home and just getting completely blasted. I feel like a lot of guys on this brave team, you know, pretty much all of them, they got something to prove here and they want to have a big postseason. Guys like Freeman, who you just mentioned, Acuna, uh, uh, they, they're going to come out in this series looking to get that chip off their shoulder of how they got embarrassed by the Cardinals in that game five at home. So I do think I, they will perform well offensively. Uh, you know, I, I have to say I have my doubts that because uh, I think, you know, the Braves are another team that always goes and screws it up. I oh, mean, I agree completely. I, I totally agree. They're notoriously flopping like uh, salmon and not getting it done. And so uh, I have my doubts about them uh, at, at the very least. Look, I think Trevor Bauer's stuff is filthy. Now, Shane Bieber's stuff is filthy, but he got lit like right. a bong, like a five-foot graphics tonight. So I'm going to say, you know, I'll see it, and then I'll believe it. When I see Bauer do it, I'll believe it. Until then, it's all rhetoric to me because you can be the greatest pitcher in the world, but you went out today, Bieber, and got just torqued. So who knows what Bauer will do tomorrow. He might give up a home run the first pitch of the game. So uh, I did want to mention, uh, I, I do want to talk some college football with you before we get out of here tonight. I'm, I'm sick of talking baseball every second of the show. I know, uh, and we honest. haven't got to, you know, the last couple of weeks because it's been so busy with the NBA and with the NHL and, and everything. I, I don't think we haven't really gotten to dive into college football a lot like we normally do especially on the TV side on coast to coast. I feel like we've kind of just been waiting to finally push college football a little bit more into the forefront, which I think we're going to finally get to do these next few weeks. Well, in two weeks when the NBA finals are over and uh, it's going to take center stage, the NFL college football, and then the, you know, obviously division LCS uh, series and the world series will, it'll get better. Baseball will get better. You know, I think, Right now, what it is is a heap of games, a lot of games, and they're quick, right? These the these three game wild card series are quick. I mean, they're yeah, yeah. They teams going home them, tomorrow. Yeah, some of them could be over tomorrow. So I think those are quick. And then when they go five games in the division series, right? That it'll be uh, a little more interesting. You got to win three. Then when they go to seven, you got to win four, and it's going to change everything. We're going to get into this more and more and more and more, but. I think college football will take the place of the NBA when it's over. And we don't even know if the Lakers heat will be good because a lot of people think that it's just going to be a wipeout. That it's going to be another four one for the Lakers. And um, we'll find out tomorrow night with game one. They're laying four and a half. So um, one other guy I forgot to mention before I get into the college football is Marcelo Zuna for the Braves. He's really, uh, you know, lit it up and hit a lot of home runs. So between Acuna, Zuna, Freeman, they definitely uh, have, I think, a way better lineup than the Reds. Now, I know a lot of people are into the Reds, but watch the game tomorrow and see that no name bunch of uh hacks they got in that lineup and then they're you know obviously i think they got there because of their pitching but i'm not going to argue vado's tough and whatever but i don't have they don't put the fear of god in anybody that lineup of theirs but the Braves have some guys that can seriously do some damage with the bats so um 
college football, there's a bunch of games, right, that I think are obviously uh, decent this week. Uh, and, you know, I mean, just obviously the best games are A&M and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia, right? So, but, you know, Mississippi State is interesting now. After what they did to LSU, they're playing Arkansas. And I thought that Costello, that was the most amazing performance that I think I've ever seen from a college quarterback. I, I I sat and asked myself, what game have I seen better than that from a quarterback? Just in a in a game, like 623 yards by a college quarterback. I don't even, I just don't ever remember seeing that before. And it was like he did it so effortlessly. He just zipped it all day. Like the guy, his arm was like a cannon all day. It was like it was almost like watching Dan Marino for me. Would you argue with that, Carver Hyde? Like I saw Dan Marino throw the football around that way, like in at Pitt and at uh, Miami in the NFL, the way he could just throw the ball all day, 60, 70 times he could throw it. And I mean, nonstop, his arm was just as strong at the end as it was at the beginning. And, and it looked like that with Costello against LSU. I've never seen anything like it. And so I guess the question is, have you ever seen anything like it? Does he remind you at all of like a Dan Marino, the way he can sling it? And do you think they can kick Arkansas's ass? Yeah, you know, you're right about how it seemed very effortless and you didn't even realize that it was going on. I mean, I'm watching the game. Uh, I was doing the in-game live with Smitty during the whole game. And at one point during the third quarter, you know, I was looking at the guy's numbers and I'm going, this dude's thrown for like 450 yards already. Like, this, and it does it seemed like, like you said, every throw was very effortless and very easy and just, and they just kept racking it up. Um, incredible performance by him. And, and I do think uh, that they will hammer Arkansas because I, I think that this is going to be a big year for Leach and Mississippi State, Scotty, because these teams in this conference, uh, they're not used to what Leach is bringing them right now. They're just not used. So I think the first time through the order here, the first time these teams have to play Leach, I think they're going to get a little bit of like LSU was last week, a little shell-shocked on the defensive side with all of the the air raid things that Leach is doing. So I, I think they're going to blow them out. Now, Arkansas played a good, what, two, two and a half quarters against Georgia last week before Georgia finally showed up and decided to play. Uh, I think that Mississippi State really hammers them on Saturday. Georgia had to figure out how bad their quarterbacks were. Right, that was Georgia's out, problem. <laughs> you know, the, 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 they were looking for the you know the weakest link to see which guy could actually not suck yeah. worse than the yeah. others, and they then they eventually them. got the game uh, under control and won it. We'll talk about them in a second. Let me say this about Mississippi State: you and I both know Mike Leach pretty well. And uh, he's a friend of mine. He's been on the show a lot. He likes you guys a lot. He's cool. But this is no different than anything he ever did at Texas Tech or at Washington State. This is the same. This is the exact same thing. The difference is, is the talent level. He never had these kinds of players. And I don't even think Mississippi State gets the best football players that in the SEC at all. I just think I think they get, you know, I'd be willing to say. 50%, Fifty percent, uh, the best players aren't going there. No, you know? they're, so they're they probably the middle, the, middle, middle of the pack to low in the SEC. That's right, middle, so, middle to low. So kind of the West, right? Like kind of, kind of right. the West. It, the the schools that don't matter, they're one of them. And I'm sorry, they they don't matter. They've never mattered. When when has Mississippi State ever mattered? 
I mean, really mattered. Very like playing in playing in big gigantic bowl games or in playoffs. Never. How's that sound? So he goes there, and but he's still getting better athletes than he ever got at Texas Tech or at Washington State. He won in both of those places with the exact same offensive philosophy and game plan of throwing the ball all over the field nonstop 70 times and just speed football, just spread options, spread it out, just absolutely slant, go crazy, throw the ball everywhere, all kinds of angles. Every pass in the book, everything that you can do in an offense, they do it. And I like that kind of football. I don't know anyone that doesn't. But I will say this. Now he's got some guys that are fast, that have talent, and that have speed that he's never had before. So it's amazing to me how good that philosophy looked with talent. So because Mississippi State still gets better than anything at Texas Tech and, and way better than Washington State athletes. I mean, it's simple as that. If they had a, if they had a, a you know, 40-yard dash for the athletes that go to those schools, who do you think would win? Mississippi State would run right out of the football field. They'd run right right out and take the trophy and all the girls with it. Okay, so they have faster, better athletes. And it shows when you see his offense with better athletes how good it can be. So I, I think that's scary. Now, you may be right about them adapting. The other schools in the SEC are going to be ready for Mike Leach at some point. Like, you know, Saban's not afraid of Mike Leach. In fact, he's probably licking his chops. But a guy like uh, Lane Kiffin, who's trying to do the exact same thing at Ole Miss, they have the same type of players at Ole Miss that they have at Mississippi State, but they don't have Costello, okay? So there you go. If they play them, which I don't know their schedule, but if they play them, you'll see what happens to them. They'll lose to them. They'll beat Ole Miss because they got Costello. Yeah, they play them later in the year. Okay, well, that guy's if he's healthy, he's going to shred everyone that's average. And Ole Miss is still average. I was never worried about the Florida bet with Ole Miss last week when the game was closed for the first 15 minutes and everybody was talking about how pretty their uniforms were and everything else. You know what I was talking about? I was talking about how I was going to make some money on this game. I'm going to make some money on this game because Florida's going to beat their ass. And then they did. So, uh, But I don't think Florida's afraid of Mississippi State. I don't think Alabama's afraid of them, and uh, we haven't seen anything yet of Georgia. We're going to find out what Georgia's made of and JT Daniels this week against Auburn. Who do you like in that game? Because we already know Auburn's got Knicks. I mean, they already got a quarterback, and they already got a good team. And I, you know, it's not easy playing in Athens between the hedges. So that I will give you. I will give you that that is not an easy road trip to Sanford Stadium to go there and play them, right? But uh, I was thoroughly unimpressed with Kirby Smart's football team last week, uh, to say the least. So if JT Daniels comes in, steps into that role, and immediately starts playing like Costello did, leaving Stanford and playing at Mississippi State, then Georgia's got something. But the guy hasn't played in a year. So if he uh, – I don't even remember the last time I saw JT Daniels play football. Do you remember? Like, honestly, they weren't using him at USC. Nope, a while ago. So, Very long so, time ago. It's been a long time. So let's see him just walk on the field and be kick ass in a in, in a real game situation against a good team. He's not playing in a scrimmage at USC. He's not playing in a scrimmage at Georgia. He's not at practice taking reps with the first team. 
this is they're playing high end, you know, monsters from Auburn chasing him around the football field, be running for his life. So yeah, this is a big time game on Saturday. Huge, huge game. And I I got I kind of like Auburn, Scotty. I'm with you. I, I think that Auburn can go in there and get it done. I was obviously more impressed with what Auburn did last week than what Georgia did, who really struggled with Arkansas, who's one of the, you know, one of the lower teams in the SEC, let's be fair. And they struggled for a long time. And I'm with you. Putting the kid JT in there, if he plays, listen, he's going to play. That's a lot of rust. Like you said, he has not played a real game situation uh, with these guys. And Auburn going in there, that's a very tough task. I think Auburn wins the game outright on Saturday. So when you saw how bad LSU looked uh, after all the migration to the NFL of their entire roster, and then the guy bragged Ordrin about how he's got the greatest recruiting uh, class he's ever seen, and they're we back, baby, we back. We ain't going nowhere. We're good. You want to play some football down here in the Bayou? We're not interested in COVID. We want to play some ball. Well, they played some ball, all right. They got run into the ground. I mean, I've never seen in my life LSU get humiliated like that ever in a football game ever. At at their lowest point, rock bottom. I've never seen them ever play that bad because they got their ass kicked. So, do they go to Vandy and beat Vandy's ass, or are they about on the same level now as? Missouri and Arkansas and all the rest of them because they look to me like just a bunch of freshmen running around have no idea what they're doing. I don't think that they're at the level of those other teams. I'm not going to put them there. In fact, I think that this is going to be a really, really bad spot for Vandy, uh, who just played. You know, Vandy really gave it their all against Texas A&M last week, uh, was in the game for most of the night. Uh, now this is going to be a rough spot for them. I think LSU is going to take out. Um, some of but the bad you, feelings that they had. I, I think they're going to break down. Brennan, I thought Brennan was terrible. He wasn't good. And he, he wasn't good in spots. He had a couple of good throws, but he obviously wasn't as good as Costello. It was so much better than him. I think that they go to Vandy this week and they get right. I think that they cover the 20. I, I think that they hammer Vandy this week. How about Memphis? They're uh, 1-0. and They're favored by a field goal at SMU, and the Tigers are already 3-0. and and they've been scoring in buckets. You think SMU knocks off Memphis down in Dallas? Yeah, I've been playing SMU the last couple of weeks. Um, they score, and not only do they score, they score fast. I mean, you talk about light speed. They are moving the football down the field. I, I like SMU at home. I, I know Memphis, uh, better team, uh, better roster probably, but you're going to give me a couple points at home with SMU with the way that they score points. Uh, I'm going to take it, uh, maybe even outright with SMU on uh, Saturday. What about, what about A&M and, and Alabama? Mac Jones uh, carries the tie to the big one. They got backdoored by Missouri. Yeah. Uh, and, and Missouri's just, you know, it's like a high school team. So I'm not impressed with Missouri ever at, at, at any length. So, but uh, they're playing Tennessee, but, but, you know, A&M and Alabama. A&M, they don't have Johnny football. Do they have a chance to go to Tuscaloosa and be in that game? They're not getting, they're not getting any respect. They're getting 17. I'm going to take the 17 and a half with Texas A&M. I, I think that this will be a somewhat close game. Maybe at the end, uh, A&M might need a little backdoor action, but I think that they're, they're not going to get blown out by Alabama. I think they're going to be in the mix. I think that they'll score a little bit. 
Um, and, and 17 and a half is a ton. I, I think that they'll be able to stay within that range. Does Florida cover 17 and a hook against uh, South Carolina in the swamp? Yes, 100%. I love this Florida team. Uh, I think that they'll rack them. And Pitt is playing NC State. They're laying 14 at Heinz Field against uh, the Wolfpack, who got humiliated last week. Does Pitt go to 4-0? I think that they do. You were mentioning it on Monday when we did the top 25, how Pitt has played very well undefeated here. And NC State, I mean, honestly, to get whacked the way that they did against Virginia Tech, who was missing, we mentioned it. What was it? 22, 23 guys they didn't have, including the quarterback. Right. Uh, I think they're in trouble when they go to Pitt here this week. Wow. Listen to Carver High getting involved. All right. Uh, we'll try to catch up with uh, Marenzi. Sports Rage coming up after Pharrell and events. We'll catch up with our boy Gabe next. All right. Pharrell and events. Sports Rage is up next with Marenzi. Gabe. Uh, Couple thoughts on uh, the Jays' uh, performance and if they'll uh, survive tomorrow. And uh, what did you think of the other games, uh, in particular, uh, what the Yankees did to Bieber? You know what? Uh, wow! As far as the Yankees, that's the uh, the that's the juggernaut and the onslaught of the the Yankees' offense. And you know, history just repeats itself, doesn't it, with these teams, Minnesota, the Clevelands of the world. And I always talk myself into it, Scotty. Well, they're an underdog. This year's different. They match up well with the Yankees. And they never do. I know you and Carver uh, talked about it. Um, as far as the Jays are concerned, listen, man, Snell was nasty, bro. You know, he was nasty. And the Jays in their first playoff game, a lot of young bats. They settled down later in the game, and you saw they had numerous opportunities. They had a lot of bad baseball luck, sort of like a hockey team hitting the post, uh, Scotty. The Blue Jays were lining the ball, and it was just always right at somebody. You know, I like the fact that they didn't quit late. They have their best pitcher on the hill tomorrow. I think the Jays are still alive. Although, yeah, listen, Tampa, just like the Lightning, bro, I think the Tampa Bay Rays like could go to the World Series. Uh, uh, Oakland is the team I'm interested in tomorrow. The White Sox now 15-0 against Southpaw as well. Bassett's not a Southpaw. I expect Oakland to win tomorrow, Scotty. Wow. Do you think uh, Carver High mentioned on our show today and tonight we talked about it, uh, he doesn't think hockey will come back to like, like March uh, with all the problems with the border and with uh, the fact that they don't let fans in arenas. When do you think they'll play hockey again? That You know what? If I had to guess, I'd probably say... Late January, um, February-ish, you know, we, we don't know, right? But I think right now you'd have to be pretty stupid or naive or just blissfully ignorant to say that, well, oh, everything's going to be fine in a couple of months. It's not. I, th- I think we're going into, uh, you know, flu season, the colder weather. There's a reason why Adam Silver's not playing on Christmas, Scotty. Yeah, that sucks. I want five NBA games on Christmas or Christmas sucks. Uh, All right, Marenzi's next. Have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow at 4 on Coast to Coast. Good night, everybody. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.